Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. A psychologist helps the FBI catch a killer in The Tenth Interview, the new psychological thriller by Daniel Basha. Daniel's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Daniel, thank you for talking with me here tonight. Thank you very much. The Tenth Interview looks really, really exciting. What's it all about? Well, it's about, like you said, a psychologist who's interviewing a serial killer. However, during that time, there's another killer on the loose, and he possibly has the keys to finding the other killer. So it's kind of like verbal warfare that goes on between them because she's scheduled to do tenor interviews with him. That's where it comes from. It comes from uh, them trying to mat- match wits with each other. So it's, it's pretty entertaining, I think. Most people seem to like it. How did the idea for it come about? The idea was I was actually I was laid off of work and I read like crazy. I read tons of books and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to try. And I've always written stuff, thoughts and stuff like that. So I decided to uh, give it a shot and write a book. And it's just started. It took me about four months. It just started, you know, coming together for me, express myself a little bit in a book. I try to paint a picture that uh, gets someone like into the scene that can really relate to it and become part of the book. And maybe there's a little lesson at the end too. So that's what I tried to do anyway. So this is your first time taking this journey of, of writing and publishing something on this scale. This is the first time. Yes. Wow. Congratulations on getting your first book out there in stores. How's it feel now that you're published? It feels really good. I couldn't believe it whenever, uh, actually, when they called and they told me they'd publish it, I did have a lot of encouragement to publish it. I sent it to people and they really liked it. So, uh, but when uh, you get that call, it's pretty exciting. Do you find anything surprising about the whole process, especially when it came to editing and getting the whole thing suitable for publishing? Yeah, it takes, it took, it took a lot longer than I thought. Yeah, there's a lot more involved than I thought there would be, but it's the day's finally here. So that's a good thing. (laughs) you have any words of wisdom now for people that want to publish their first book too? Anything you learned along the way? The only thing I would say to someone that's trying to publish a book is that don't be scared, scared of failure. You just got to let it go and do the best you can, send it in and see what happens. But that's the biggest thing. Most people are scared to fail, I think. Mm. And if you can get over that fear and trust in yourself, then good things can happen. Yeah, confidence is a, is a big deal when it comes to writing. And when you're writing, did you ever get like writer's block? Oh, yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I, I have. Yeah. What'd you do about it? I basically, you let it, well, at least for me, I uh, let it go. And I, you know, there's no sense of me beating myself up because I can't come up with something. I, I like to go for, I used to like to, well, I had to put my dog down a few, about a month ago, but I oh, used to, me sorry. and him used to go, <laughs> me and him used to go walking in the park. And that's where I do my best thinking, just walking around for a couple hours over the summer. And then, Slowly but surely, thoughts and ideas would come to me. Yeah, sometimes it's a mental block that you're actually putting on yourself because you're putting so exactly. much pressure on yourself. Like, I got to think of the next thing. Why can't I do it? And your strategy is, is fantastic. Just let it go. Do something else for a while. 
just let it go and something yeah if you just ease up and something will come something will pop in yeah great strategy there are you still writing do you plan on maybe publishing some more i am i just finished the second book i'm really excited about this one this one's more interviews more of like just a beach read type thing a fun thing read it's a couple three hours just to get away from from life for a while especially 2020 these days Mm. (laughs) you need a little escape but uh, quarantine has more has a lot more meat to it it's a story of eight people that are quarantined and they argue about the virus and having to wear a mask and it's both points i try to put everyone's point of view in there but in between they each tell a story and there's eight of them i got the idea like the canterbury tales from uh from the black plague when they did the same mm, thing. Yeah. That's kind of like where I got the idea for it. But I, I'm excited about it. And I encourage readers to check this one out. It looks like it's really going to have you turning the pages and not wanting to put it down. That's what I've been told anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The 10th Interview by Daniel Basha, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for books. Well, Daniel, thanks for coming on the show again today. I had a great time talking with you. I appreciate you having me on. Author Grace Espiritu-Zanto has stopped by the Reader House Author Roundtable tonight to talk about her new book, My Biggest Sin, Loving Hugo, My Truths. Grace, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell me what this book is all about? This book is about um, different topics. The first part of the book, I broke it down. The first part of the book is, is about forbidden love. That's forbidden relationship, a 13-year-old falling in love with a 19-year-old guy. And the funny part about it is that she falls in love by herself. Like, the guy doesn't even know. The second part of the book, it talks about struggles. She comes from a foreign country, from the Dominican Republic. So she's explaining how she got her visa, how unstable. She was living in New York, coming from her home, that her mother had to, like, sell her home to come to the United States and live the, you know, New York, a different lifestyle, different from home. I also broke down to the third part of the book. So the third part of the book, she shares, like, her social social relationships. And I say she, I'm talking about myself, but, you know, in, in the character, how I wrote it. Right. I'm sharing about my sexual experiences, advice, and accomplishments. So that's the conclusion of the book. Conclusion, the book has a lot of content. It's, it sounds like a, a love story at the beginning, but it talks it's more to it when you read through it. Wow, you've gone through quite a lot in your life. What inspired you to write this and put your story out for the world? Actually, um, it was like a lot of things. I wanted, I guess I wanted, I wanted like a closure. If you read the book, it was a lot of things that it was like, it was like a puzzle, a missing thing. So I said that if I read, if I write this book, maybe the real truth would come out. Like, or he'll tell me what was the re- main reason what, of whatever happened in the past, <laughs> how, how everything just turned out later on. And also my children, I felt like I wanted to like get, I don't know, I wanted it to get everything out there. I don't know, for some reason. Those are my reasons, my motor. <laughs> is this the first time you've written a book or the first time you've been published? This is the first time I've been published, yeah. Wow, that's such a huge milestone. A lot of people don't even make it to being published. So what kind of feelings did you have holding that book in your hands for the first time? I get it. It was, it was to me, I mean, if you want a description, I'm going to tell you it was like having my first child. <laughs> wow. 
It was just having, it was just that experience. I felt so accomplished. Like, I felt, like, so good. It was just having, like, like when I had my first daughter, like, in my hand, that's the way I felt when I saw my book. You know, because it's different when you see paper and when you see your actual work together <laughs> mm. in one is just amazing. And writing a book is actually a lot of hard work and takes a lot of patience. About how long were you working on this? Yeah, it took me a year, a whole year. I was writing 30 minutes a day, 30 to 40 minutes every day, just putting in like a little notepad. And then at the end, I was like, wow. <laughs> and I actually the book was longer because the book is like 80 something pages, 86 pages. But I reduced the book because I feel that I don't want to open since I'm a first time writer. I don't I want to tell my story, but I want to be practical. You know, mm. maybe I'll do something longer in the second book, but not as as a beginner. That's what I thought. That was my theory. <laughs> yeah, that's some good thinking. It's called My Biggest Sin, Loving Hugo, My Truths by Grace Esperitizanto, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Grace, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had a great time talking. Same, same me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. What's it like to be a dog growing up in Italy? That's what author Giuseppe Di Loreto wants you to find out in his new book, Chico is not an ordinary dog. Giuseppe is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Giuseppe, thank you for being here with me tonight. It's my pleasure to be with you. Can you tell me what Chico is not an ordinary dog is all about? Well, it's, uh, it's mainly about the fun of seeing a uh, very lively young pup growing up and doing all its things and it left uh, great um, memories of fun and joy. So I decided that I would share that with my friends and with you. Were there any experiences or memories in particular that inspired this story? Oh, the whole thing. You know, I, I had a lot of fun with him. He was every day he would come up with something new. <laughs> hmm. Have you ever written a book before or ever been published? No, this is my last, my first publication. I have another book ready, and, uh, you know, Fulton is already in the works with it, but that's a more serious thing, you know. This one is an amusement. Right, this is a children's book. Did you have a certain age range of children in mind when you were writing it? No, because I had fun with it, and I am not quite a child anymore. <laughs> and the people I read some or I showed to were of age different. But a, a youngster would would have more fun, would have more familiarity with the, with the situation of the dog running after all the other animals in the farm. So, about how long did it take you to write this? Oh, a long time, <laughs> a long time, because you know it's not easy. You you have an idea, and then uh, you pick it up, and then it sleeps a little bit. But, uh, you know, finally, when I decided, it was pretty fast, you know. Did you learn anything along the way? Any, any surprises or challenges? Not really, not really. I uh, uh, once uh, It was an easy thing, because he gave me so much material that it was easy to tell about it, you know. He, 
He put the material in front of me. <laughs> Do you have any advice now for aspiring authors who want to write their first book? They want to get a book published? What would you tell them? Well, uh, what I had to tell myself is never give up. If you think that you have something that should go out there, you should keep at it until you do. Sometimes it takes years, but never give up on a dream that you have because a dream is one of the most beautiful things we can have and we should never surrender. That's great advice. The book is Chico is Not an Ordinary Dog by Giuseppe Di Loreto. Published by Fulton Books, you can find it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes and Google Play, and everywhere else you buy your books. Giuseppe, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a great time talking with you. It was my pleasure, too, and I hope all your friends and your listeners enjoy Chico. My guest right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is Jane Northrup Glenn, and she says she has an important message from God in her new book, God Punched Back, Knocking Out the United States Government to Set People Free. Jane, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me, Corey. So God Punched Back, there's an important message in here. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so if I get straight to it, the message is that the United States and the church are in a state of emergency right now. Christians are now being called by God to establish a second governing system for his people. He actually wants it referred to as God's public option, so people understand the concept. So the book actually tees up the why and the how to establish this second governing system. But the gist of it is that all of God's people, we, we must cut ourselves off from government subsidy all government subsidy to protect us from this new world order that's coming down the pike, and then eventually uh, the mark of the beast. So there are more books to come? Yes, there will be three more books coming. Fantastic. Where are you in that process right now? I'm actually writing two <laughs> at the same time. They're two different topics. So basically, God Punched Back has different themes in it. And so the three subsequent books will all take one of those themes and go deeper into it. I am concurrently writing two books, and I don't know which one God is going to want released next. So, What gave you the idea or inspired you to write these? The Lord. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm literally, like, when you read the book, you realize that I am in complete submission to him. You know, a little background. The Lord told me to write the book in 2018, and he said he was going to take his message to the mainstream and that it was going to be used as talking points in the 2020 election. He told me very specifically to write it so that even a child could understand it. So I sat on it for about a year. And then one day in 2020, he said, it's time to go to print. Miraculously, I have this link to Christian Faith Publishing show up in my Facebook feed. So I knew it was time to go to print. The process started. COVID happened. And then once COVID happened, I could see that the themes, the messages in the book were far more relevant than when I originally wrote the book. So that certainly was not coincidental. The book is my story. So it was easy for me to write my story, but it's also prophetic. So when you read it, you see that. It's got an end times message, but everybody who's read it so far says that when they're done with it, they actually feel hopeful. 
And they even laugh out loud a couple of times. So it's an interesting book with a pretty powerful message. But I would say that I would be woken up in the middle of the night to write. So when I was inspired, I would write. So it was kind of in chunks. At the end, the Lord took me through an editing process. He had me cut out lots of it. And I was like, what are you doing? It's making the book so short. But he was taking out things that didn't glorify him the way he wanted to be glorified with the messages. It was distracting from his message. So I could see that at the end. So for me, it was natural. It was just a natural thing. Um, it was easy for me to write my story. And then with Christian Faith Publishing, though, God must love them because that's the link that when he said it's time to go to print, it literally showed up in my Facebook feed. Wow. I was like, all right, Lord, you got this. You got this. <laughs> wow. And it's out there on shelves now. It's called God Punched Back, Knocking Out the United States Government to Set People Free by Jane Northrup Glenn, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, wherever you buy your books. Well, Jane, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a really good time talking. Thanks, Corey. Author Donald Lodrig is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and he urges readers to open their minds in his new book, Enslaved Mind. Welcome to the show, Donald. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad to be finally on the show. Really happy to have you here. Can you tell me about Enslaved Mind? I started Enslaved Mind with my uh, youngest niece. She brought it to my attention that over her little lifespan that she has, she's 15 years old, we're so enslaved by what other people think, that it enslaves us to think just like them. And we cannot fight and get out of it because of the simple fact of we're so used to looking at everything just one way, in one direction. So about how long were you working on this? Well, right now, this one right here, I've, I've worked on it for about a year. I am, right now, I am working on part two of it right now. Because this one right here, for the beginning of it, it's like an introduction book. You know, just a little preview of what I'm working on and stuff like that. Uh, about like the social media betrayal and who can you really trust about with giving your full attention to, you know. Because like right now, I've been getting so much feedback from it. And, and it's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, you should have did this and you should have did that. I'm like, well, I'll. I'm doing a part two, and it's great. I'm working on it right now. Why would you say people are so easily deceived and so blind and easily controlled? Well, it's because of the simple fact of that it's so easy for someone to tell you something that it could be true and it can't be true, but no one does the research about it. No one sits there and, you know, as soon as I would tell somebody, hey, look, the sky is just the mirror image of the water. Instead of doing their research about it, they're going to sit there and believe it instead of, you know, looking beyond it. It could be another cause of it. You know, I don't know. I was just giving my opinion about it. When you were writing this, were there any challenges, any surprises that came up along the way that you didn't expect? Yeah, you know, I, I, I did. I, I thought about myself and it's like, you know, I was so naive at a lot of things until I realized that it was the whole point of I'm doing the same thing as my ancestors did because of the simple fact of they only followed one way. 
and our ancestors, they fought for us to do better. If we can't do better than our ancestors, then we're not uh, evolving. So with that, being the fact that we are trying to have people look at things differently, you know, like even for myself, I sat there and I tried my best to open up my eyes to see what's going on in this world right now. And I realized that, you know, my mind was so close to the left mm. that I never looked at the right side. Mm. Now it, it opens up my eyes to see that just because everybody else is saying one thing, if I don't do my research, how am I supposed to know the truth about it? If you're looking to open your mind, I suggest you try Enslaved Mind, the new book by Donald Lodrig. Published by Fulton Books, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you go to shop for your books. Well, Donald, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time chatting. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Follow Your Heart is the new book by Gail Odom. And she's talking with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gail, thank you for stopping by the show tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Can you tell me what Follow Your Heart is all about? Oh, it's about a young girl just doing the best that she could and knowing that she just had something in her heart that she needed to do and she just did it. How did the idea for the story come about? Well, one, it just came to me the title and then all of a sudden it just started flowing in my mind and I just started writing and writing and then something else would come in and it was just really exciting. About how long a process was that? How long did it take you to write? Well, uh, off and on about uh, two or three years. I kind of had other things going and I just, just took my time with it. Then all of a sudden, I decided, I said, I needed to get it finished because I kept having new ideas on it, so I wanted to get it in published. Did you have a certain routine that you were in when you wrote, like a certain place you would go, maybe a time of day? It just depends. Uh, whenever it was quiet, I'd just get at my desk and look out on the lake and just the thought process and just get into it and just it, it just flowed that way. Was it a smooth writing process for you? Did you get writer's block or anything like that? No, I didn't. It was really smooth. As I said, I just it just all started flowing, and then once I let it go, I just couldn't stop. I'd get lost in it. And before you know it, I had so much written. It was just really fun. Have you written or published anything prior to this? No, this is my first. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, how's it feel now that you're officially a published author? Oh, it's very exciting. I mean, it's hard to believe that I finally did it. And just to see the book and just my friends and relatives are just raving about it. It's just really exciting. Good accomplishment. Are you going to continue writing? Yes, I am. In fact, I do have another book going. And I should have that ready by the first of the year. Is there anything you could offer as words of wisdom to writers that want to get their first book out there? Not to give up, just to continue. You know, as I said, I had prolonged it too much to me. I should have just stayed with it and 
just follow your heart, follow what's in your mind, and get it out there. Did you have a person in your life that maybe has inspired you or encouraged you along your whole writing journey? No, not really. It just comes from my soul, from me, my heritage, my love really of Westerns and things. That was my motive. Well, that's wonderful. I encourage listeners to check this book out. It's called Follow Your Heart. It's by Gail Odom and published by Fulton Books. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for books. Gail, thank you again for coming by the show. I had a fantastic time talking with you. Oh, I did too, and thank you so much. Author Marty Perlmutter is doing some great things to aid in cancer research, and his story is told in his new book, Cycling Across America, A Journey of Hope and Awareness. I'd like to welcome Marty to the show right now. Marty, thank you for being here with me tonight. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Can you tell me about Cycling Across America? This sounds like quite a journey. Well, in 2012, my friend Roy Gross died from multiple myeloma. And before he passed away, I promised him I was going to do an epic bike ride from coast to coast. Because we had talked about doing a Portland to Portland ride, Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine, on our bicycles, not motorcycles. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2012 and he didn't have a chance. We didn't have a chance to to put it together. So while he was in on his last days, I made that pledge. So in 2017, it developed with the help of the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation, who found a company called Crossroads. Six guys left Manhattan Beach, and 50 days later, we wound up in Jennings Beach. And along the way, our experiences are written about in my book, The Cycling Across America. It was quite an experience for the six people, not just for the experiences, but we touched so many people's lives along the way. It it was quite quite an, uh, an epic experience. It definitely sounds like this is quite a personal thing to you. Why was writing this book and getting it published such an important thing for you? I'm so plugged into the Multiple Myeloma Foundation, Research Foundation, because while I'm not very smart in being able to cure cancer, my efforts to raise money, I can do that very well. Uh, In fact, our team raised $400,000 for the foundation. And as we went into different Dairy Queens along the way to refuel and to you know, get some snacks before dinner. You know, here's a great uh, little tidbit. We'd be two hours before dinner and we'd stop at a Dairy Queen for a light snack, you know, a burger, fries, and a large shake. And then two hours later, we'd sit down for another thousand calorie dinner. Hmm. I wanted to write the book to raise money because I'm donating 25% of our profits to the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. It's so important for me that when you lose your best friend because of an incurable blood cancer, it leaves you hollow inside. And like I said, I can't cure cancer, but I can surely do a lot to raise money to give to people who can cure the disease. Now, I'm thinking this is a book that anybody could read and anybody could get quite a lot out of just for learning more and becoming more aware. But did you have a target audience in mind when you wrote it? Well, obviously, I'm I'm a cyclist and the six guys who did the ride with us, they're all serious riders as well. But the book is more about the experiences of the people that we met and the cancer patients that came to see us along the way, the videos that we got along the way, the cards, the, the, the blogs, the response to our blogs that we posted. I think the book is more attuned to people who are dealing with not just multiple myeloma, but with any type of cancer. 
Because when you read about Tim Nash, who comes over to our hotel in Niles, Ohio, he just wanted to be part of it. And because he has multiple myeloma, he could not figure out how to go from his couch to the refrigerator. It was like a mountain, he said. But when he read about us doing this ride across the country, he said, you know something? I'm not just going to die on my couch. He came over, and if you witness it, the scene that he had the morning that we left to ride to Erie, Pennsylvania, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. People were hugging him. It was just a very emotional scene because we, if we only made the difference for one person, being Tim Nash, I think we did a great job. I think we affected quite a lot of people along the way. Well, Marty, thank you for your work. Thank you for writing this book. I really encourage listeners to check this out. It's Cycling Across America, A Journey of Hope and Awareness by Marty Perlmutter. Published by Fulton Books, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Marty, again, thank you for joining me here tonight at the Reader House Author Roundtable. I had a great time finding out about your book and about the cause. Well, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to talk about it. The next book we're discussing here at the Reader House Author Roundtable talks about something a lot of us struggle with. It's titled Forgiveness, A Hard Pill to Swallow. The author, Katrina Hartwell, is talking with me now. Thank you for being here with me tonight, Katrina. Thank you for inviting me, Corey. Like I said, forgiveness is a tough one. I struggle with it myself. I know a lot of others do too. So could you tell us how you talk about that in your book. Oh, yes. Uh, Forgiveness a Hard Pill to Swallow is actually a self-help book, and it's actually designed to help those who have been hurt um, to actually come to grips with the hurts that have happened to them and to just actually kind of see how forgiving others sets them free from the bonds of anger and bitterness and hatred and all the emotional bonds that we are um, held by. And it also helps walks us through actually forgiving someone without actually seeing or even talking to that person, because that's the thing that kind of holds people back. They don't want to see the offenders or or they don't want to talk to them, but there's a way of forgiving them without even having to have contact with them. And so the book actually helps you to understand that step as well, because forgiveness actually comes from the heart. And once it's sincere and you forgive someone in your heart, that, that's really all God requires of us. And so that's what the book actually helps us, you know, to understand and see and to see how easy it really is to forgive. Although we make it seem like it's very hard, but it's really not once you have a willingness and a, de- and a desire to do so, so that you can actually set yourself free. So how did this book come about? What inspired you to write it? Well, actually, I was hurt myself. And so out of this book, out of my hurts, I understood how I was holding myself back from being forgiven by God. And so I had to come to grips with my hurts and see that in order for my sins to be forgiven or the things that I do, then I have to learn how to forgive others because I had to come to the realization that they're really not worth it, worth me blocking my blessings, worth my sins not being forgiven. And so the Holy Spirit convicted me and I began to pencil my thoughts and pencil my convictions. And it turned into the book, Forgiveness a Heart Pill to Swallow. Did you have a certain group of readers that you were thinking about when writing this, a target audience? Yes, I actually did. My, my target readers are those who are actually struggling with forgiving others, those who feel that they just can't bring themselves to forgive, people who feel like their offenders don't deserve to be forgiven, those who really don't understand what forgiveness really is and how it can actually happen, and then those who are really, they want to forgive, but they just don't actually know how to do it. Those are my target readers. And actually, I feel that they would appreciate this book because it helps them to learn how to forgive 
And then once they learn how to forgive, they'll see how they'll actually have a peace of mind. They'll actually start experiencing true happiness. They'll be healed and delivered and then actually set free. A lot of people listening to us right now are aspiring authors. They want to write their first book. They want to get their first book out there. What one piece of advice could you give them? I would actually give the advice to listen to your heart and actually allow the Holy Spirit to guide you as you write, because we can easily write in the flesh. But if we want to reach the masses and have a lasting impact, it has to be written through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened to me. Well, Katrina, thank you for using your gifts and talents to put this subject out there. Forgiveness, again, it's a huge thing. And I think we need to see a lot more of that out there. Yes, we definitely do. This book is called Forgiveness, A Hard Pill to Swallow by Katrina Hartwell. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Katrina, thanks again for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you, and I enjoyed myself as well. Right now, I'm talking with author T.K. Geigler here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. T.K., thank you for joining me here tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. Now, you just put out a new children's book, but I'm going to let you say the title for us. Well, it's called The Huda Maguda Fuda Huda. I love it. And it's obviously the hardest thing to say, but it's it seems like the title alone makes people smile or chuckle at least. Absolutely. What's the story about? Well, it's a story. It's kind of a, well, it's a fantasy, but it's basically about a child and his father's relationship and how a contest that happens every so every third day of the third month every year in Fooderland. There's a contest, and you get your wish if you win it. And a little boy wins it, makes a wish for his father that most people wouldn't see or do. Or There's a lot of little lessons along the way, actually. I got to know, where did the title come from? You know, <laughs> I was talking to my wife earlier, and, and I was trying to think of it. And my grandma was Norwegian. So I got to think, and she baked all the time. She'd come up with funky names for donuts and stuff like that. So I got to think it originated there. but. My grandkids, if they wanted something to eat and they couldn't figure it out, I'd just ask them if they wanted a hoodamaguda fooda hooda. <laughs> and pretty soon I just decided to write the story. That's great. It kind of came to life for you. Yeah, it did. Actually, a guy named Clancy Bundy, my illustrator, he really, really had a lot to do with bringing it to life. And I just wanted to mention him for sure. Absolutely. The illustrations are beautiful. But how long were you working on this? The story I actually wrote in about 20 minutes and tweaked on it for about two years until I found the right illustrator. And that was not an easy thing to do. Mm. I I thought it would be. I thought I'd have all these people, but people that claim they're artists usually aren't. And I was actually hooked up by a local artist with this young man. And he's a visionary. He's a great kid, a lot younger than I. I'm a little old. Double his age, but we worked really well together, and I think it came out really good. Have you published before or written a book before? You know, I've, I've won some contests along the way. I'm, I'm 62 years old. I've been writing since I was in the seventh grade. So I've won contests, and, but I never did. It just never came up. It just wasn't. I, I worked with kids all the time, usually coached them or taught them, and I just never thought about it till I was done with all that. What's it feel like now that after you've been writing for your whole life, for decades, now you finally have a published book out there. I don't even know how to feel sometimes, but I'm pretty proud of it. 
at my age, I hear people talk about things they should have done or could have done or would have done. Heck, I went back to Gonzaga University at 41 years old and spent four years getting two degrees. So mm, wow. you're never too old. Absolutely. Do you have advice now for aspiring writers who want to get that first book out there? <laughs> it's a lot more work than you might think. It's a, it's a dedication, and you better love it, or it's going to be probably too much for you. So what's on the horizon for you? What's down the road? Are you planning on writing, maybe getting published again? Well, yeah, I've actually already written a sequel to this. I think it might be better, but we'll, we'll wait and see. I've got uh, a long way to go still. It's in the early stages. Thought I'd see how the first one went. <laughs> Well, we're looking forward to that, and, and thank you for putting your passion and talents into this. Uh, TK, I'll let you say the title again as we go out here. Okay. It's called The Huda Maguda Fuda Huda. If you say it like you're Scandinavian, it might come a little easier to the tongue. Absolutely. Again, the author is TK Geigler. This is published by Fulton Books, and you can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for books. TK, it was great having you on the show. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you very much for having me. Robert Rotogni tells of his life growing up in some of the most oppressive governments in history in his new book, From Darkness into Light, My Journey Through Nazism, Fascism, and Communism to Freedom. Robert, thank you for stopping here tonight. You're welcome. Can you tell me about From Darkness into Light? What's the book about? I guess if I had to define it, uh, even the definition, it's a little bit of a memoir, but not a pure memoir. It's got quite a bit of historic narrative because I wanted to use my eyewitness accounts of key important events in the middle of the 20th century when I was uh, from my birth to when I was 26 years old and provide the context the historic context of these events to leave a legacy behind my, uh, for my grandchildren. The whole, if you ask me a question, why did you decide to, you know, publish a book? Well, there's the really two questions. One is, why did I decide to write the stories? Which is a totally different question as to why I decided to publish them. And they happened like uh, more than a decade apart because the stories were written in the early 2000s, and the publication just took place like a few months ago. But the primary reason for the stories were to leave, to, to leave something behind for my grandchildren and future generations of my family who have grown up in, in America. And unless I wrote these stories down, they will not know much about their uh, father's uh, or grandparents' uh, ancestry and the stories that I have witnessed and lived through. So that's really was the original motivation for writing the stories. I had never intended to publish it. That happened many, many years later for a totally different reason. So what inspired you to get this published now? That's, that's, that's another interesting story. Like I said, I never intended to publish my stories. To write them down was a difficult challenge and took several years. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with my book, but there's a lot of research that went into it. And I traveled around the world to interview family members uh, to put pieces together and fill in the gaps that I had in my memory as a 
six and a seven-year-old child, particularly the first story that's about uh, the Holocaust experience. Well, Robert, thank you so much for using your experiences and what you've gone through to tell us this important piece of history. There's a lot here. The name of the book is From Darkness into Light, My Journey Through Nazism, Fascism, and Communism to Freedom. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for books. Well, Robert, thanks again for stopping by the show again here tonight. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you. Sheila Grant offers hope and inspiration in her new book, Biblical Nibbles, The Bread of Life. Sheila is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sheila, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. It's it's a blessing just to be on the other end of the phone. Oh, it's a blessing to have you. Can you tell me what Biblical Nibbles is all about? Well, Biblical Nibbles, it's an inspiration for those that are hurting and experiencing discomfort, whether it's lingering from divorce or a painful childhood or what have you. It's for anybody that's going through hurt or pain, and it's, it's to comfort them in those times and during those times. How did you get the inspiration or the idea to write this? Well, the inspiration came from none other but the Holy Spirit. You know, I have to acknowledge the Holy Spirit because it was when I myself was going through the hurt and pain and God speaking to me, you know, saying that and, and encouraging me that He's there with me in the midst of what I was going through. So it was nothing but the Holy Spirit. Yeah, often God uses things that we've gone through in our lives that we think are so painful and negative. He'll use those to help and encourage others, and that sounds like yes. what you're doing here. Yes, that's exactly what it's doing. About how long were you working on it? Well, I wasn't really working on it. Uh, I was just really journaling and writing out how I was feeling on paper. So it wasn't intended to be a book. It was the Holy Spirit that that spoke to me and said, no, you type up what you have in that journal, what you've been journaling. I was just releasing the hurt, you know, because I was so devastated. I didn't know which way to turn. And so I just started writing. And so then, you know, it just ended up being a book. How smooth of a process was it for you to take what you had journaled, which was probably a little rough, and then get it edited down into publishable book format. Was that easy? Yeah, actually, I did it overnight. When the Holy Spirit spoke, and I said, oh, my God, I don't even have titles for this. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, I'll give you the titles as you begin to write. And so I just pulled out my laptop, and I just started typing them. And as I went from one to the next, God was giving me the titles. And so I literally typed it overnight and mailed it in to the publishing company that next day. That's the testimony behind it. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Have have you ever written before or had anything published? No, I have not. That was my first published book. Wow. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment to have a book out there on shelves. Uh, How's it feel now being a published author? You know, it gives me hope. It, It feels great. And it gives me hope to know that, you know, when the Holy Spirit gives you something to write, that you can rely on it. And it's awesome to see it develop, you know, from going from a journal to an actual book and, you know, being published. I feel awesome. It's great. Would you have any words of advice for people out there who are looking to write a book, but they just can't seem to get started or they don't know where to go? Well, 
I would say pray about it first, you know, and let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Because if God is showing you to do something, there's a purpose tied to it. And when you can walk out that purpose, it's going to do what it's supposed to. It's going to touch the heart of people, you know, and it's going to give them the hope and the answers that they need to get through whatever it is that they're going through. Looking down the road, do you plan on writing more, getting more published? Yes, I've been writing, and I uh, expect to write, uh, you know, biblical nibbles too. And then I'm also halfway done writing a book in honor of my mother. Uh, I have a testimony. Uh, my mom was killed when I was in the fifth grade. And so she she has a legacy of her own that was untold, and so I'm writing about that as well and talking about the challenges that my sisters and I went through. So it's all been, in, uh, Biblical Nipples is really an inspiration to all of that, you know, and what God has brought me through. It does sound like it's truly an inspiration. It'll give a lot of people hope. And I encourage listeners to check this out. It's called Biblical Nibbles, The Bread of Life by Sheila Grant. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for books. Well, Sheila, thank you for coming on the show. I had a great time discussing the book and chatting with you. I had a great time, too. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Master Reset is a new book that gives new insight into the complex realm of brain injury. The author, Jay McLaurin, stopped by the show here today to chat with me. Jay, thank you for joining us here tonight. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm so grateful. You have a lot to be grateful for. Could you tell us about it? Yes. Well, back in 2017, February 2nd, I had my first stroke. And on February 14th, I had brain surgery performed on me, procedure. Everything changed for me in that life. I was only 29 years old. And the book is simply about my trials and tribulations, trying to get over or beat the eye the adversity of having now acquired brain injury. What inspired you or motivated you to write this book? All of the things I've experienced and I witnessed. It's the rise and fall of a young person who had a career job and was seemingly healthy and fine and was a family man focused on family. And everything in a swipe or blink of an eye was erased, depleted in my mind. And I had to learn myself and learn how to navigate through this narrow terrain. Started from scratch on my own. When you were writing this, did you have a certain group of people that you were writing for, maybe people who had experience with brain injury, or is it broader? It's much broader, but at first, initially, to be honest, I was speaking from the perspective of a patient who is now considered a lifelong patient, and I was speaking for the voiceless. I know going through chemotherapy and things of that nature, I had experienced coma. I had two strokes in the same year. I was temporarily paralyzed the same year, and I would see so many other patients and couldn't even identify or recognize that I was that same individual that I would see in rehab or in the cancer center. They needed more of the care than me, and I wanted to speak for the voiceless, those who didn't successfully conquer or beat their eyes, unfortunately, and I first initially thought to speak from that perspective, that point of view, that lens, but then it opened up more. And I didn't consider none of us did a pandemic. Well, thank you for having such a heart of giving and, and helping others based on what you've been through. Uh, have you ever written a book before? Have you ever been published? 
I have never written a book ever. This is my first experience. Wow. After counseling, I went to psychiatric counseling for like two years. And that's where it came out of. It was initially a journal to get all of my frustration, the pent up aggression, the confusion, all out of my system. And it turned into be Master Reset, the novel. Do you plan on continuing writing and maybe getting more published? Yes, sir. I, I have two concepts of books already on my desk, metaphorically speaking, that I'm already conceptualizing and writing down like a draft of the first chapter of the next book. And then I have a children's book I would like to publish because I also realize brain injury is not popularly discussed in a public forum on any um, magnitude. We know about the other illnesses that get a lot of exposure, but the brain injury world doesn't. And it's as simple as having a concussion if you're an athlete, mm -hmm. but yet no one talks about how serious it is. But it is a big deal because once the brain is done or bruised, it has to rewire. So you become different. You're moody, swingy, everything you have to adjust. And I know kids may feel it more because they're so young and they're so helpless to a degree. And I'm writing for them as well. And it's a part of my nonprofit that's supposed to start up early next year. So the book and the proceeds from the children's book is going solely to brain injury awareness. Well, Jay, thank you for having, again, such a heart to help others because of what you've you. been through. The book is Master Reset by Jay McLaurin, published by Fulton Books. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Jay, thank you again for coming by the Reader House Author Roundtable here again tonight. I had a great time talking with you. I did, too. I really, really enjoyed my time, and I appreciate you for the opportunity. I'm elated. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.